Welcome to Art Live with Irenia. I'm very excited to bring you this episode today. I'm your host, Irenia Roussel. This podcast was designed for you in mind to inspire and infuse you with the energy you need to take action in your life journey. You'll hear epic stories of people from all walks of life from around the world who are not afraid to share their life journey with you. From epic failures to epic wins, this show will give you some quick hacks and a big boost to help you find your vibes wherever you may be in your life journey. So tune into this dial, relax, and enjoy the vibes. Welcome, superstars. Thank you so much for tuning in to this dial. You're listening to At Live with Irenia. I'm very excited to bring you this week's episode. I'm your host, Irene Roussel. Today, I'm in conversation with the fabulous Pamela Hyatt, Content Marketing Manager from Peterborough, Ontario. Welcome, Pamela. Hi, Irene. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. I am super... It's going to be fun. Yes, yes. I'm also super excited to have you as well because I believe you have a a lot of wisdom to share with our audience given your experience um, in international business and marketing. (laughs) Well, I will do my best. So tell us a little bit about your backstory. Sure. Well, I mean, as you said, I, I did grow up in Peterborough, Ontario, which was a great little um, growing city, um, just surrounded by nature. Um, my my parents, um, they are they've always been lifelong learners. They never went to post secondary school, but they were always huge proponents of continuing education through online courses. Um, so I grew up with that mindset that you could always learn and start something new, which is kind of cool where I ended up at FIT, which is all about the same thing, um, continued education and really rising to the top of your potential in whatever sector that you're in. Um, but that's uh, getting a little ahead of the game, I think, maybe. Um, I have a sister who's um, a very talented graphic designer and a leader in the design community in Ottawa and every once in a while we get to collaborate on projects Mm -hmm. which is really cool. Um, My partner and I um, just celebrated our nine-year anniversary. He's a web developer. Congratulations! Thanks! He's a born problem solver and he really keeps me on my toes when it comes to being an ethical marketer which is really important. Absolutely! Um, and then, you know, one more little personal detail is that we welcomed our first child, um, a daughter, in October 2018. Um, and so, you know, I'll be the first to admit that parenting is a challenge. Um, but, you know, as everyone says, it's just the best thing that ever happened to me. Well, congratulations. Um, so. And I'm very excited for you uh, venturing into the parent world. Um, I myself Thank have... You. I have uh, two kids, six and three, and they're definitely uh, keeping me on my toes right now, as we're yes. <laughs> as we're living in in COVID times, working from home, and um, you know my little coworkers have joined me. It is really incredible times right now. Yeah, it is definitely an interesting. Um 
interesting dynamic. My partner and I are both very lucky to both be able to work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not like anything that we've ever experienced before, having our little um, co-worker around. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get into giving us some information and how did you get onto your career journey? Yeah, um, so I moved from Peterborough to Ottawa to study advertising at Algonquin College. Um, and through that program, I got my first work experience through the co-op program with the Ottawa Folk Festival, which was a lot of fun. Um, the job market in Ottawa was a bit tough for new grads about 10 years ago when I graduated. Yes. So I really had to hustle. And I had to contract work um, and did a lot of freelancing projects. Um, which I still do have a side hustle there. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's such a great way to um, sharpen your skills and get a lot of varied experience. Um, So I learned so much from those experiences and and keep learning that way. Um, But I got my first opportunity to work with FIT in 2015, um, and I just celebrated five years with FIT. All right. Well, can you give us a little bit of ideas? What are some of the side hustle projects that you've worked on? And to those who are not in the international trade arena, FIT is the Forum for International Trade Training. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm so used <laughs> to going by the acronym at this point. Yeah. yeah, we're the Forum for International Trade Training. We offer, um, we're really the standard setter when it comes to what the um, occupational profiles and skill sets needed to be um, effective in um, completing international business transactions. So we provide training and certification um, and as well as the professional designation for people working in that space. So basically for anybody who um, does transactions across borders, sells products into um, international locations, um, or imports from international locations, mm-hmm. um, you're in international trade, and our training and resources are there for you. So, yeah, yeah. there's a little background on fit. And I can absolutely vouch for that, having worked in the international trade industry for uh, over 14 years, and I have taken some of the FIT courses, and I must say that it really helped to boost my confidence in order for me to provide better service to um, my clients um, at that time, New Brunswick exporters um, who who are exporting all over the world. Of course, I've pivoted into a new area um, in my day job. and um, But um, I must say, I really enjoy taking the feed courses as well. What are some of the side hustles um, in terms of the types of projects that uh, you've been involved with over the years? Oh, I've done, so my my side hustle freelancing is in copywriting, okay, so nice. it's really any anything you might need words for, so I've done everything from um, helping to name companies and products and services to helping people with their website copy, um, to, you know, writing articles, setting people up with social posts, and... Um, all kinds of different collateral, even um, reports. I've, I've written, I've helped people write and edit their um, quarterly reports and things like that. So I've had a really wide range of clients too, which has been a lot of fun and, and 
as I said before, helps to sharpen those skills. So I've worked with, you know, customs brokers. I've worked with mortgage uh, and um, mortgage brokers and um, realtors. I've worked with... Um, I've worked with fitness instructors. I've worked with all kinds of different small businesses and retail locations. Um, That's fantastic. That's awesome. And I guess you've met so many different people along the way in your job. And how do you adjust to the different personalities, you know, that you meet when you take on a new project? How do you approach your projects? Yeah, that's a great question because that is really the big challenge when especially when you're working with so many different kinds of businesses it all comes down to research so I I do a lot of my own like web sleuthing yes when I when I um make initial contact with a new client to try and get to know who they are and who what their uh the sort of space that their products or services live in like what is their competition what are other people doing and what are they doing already yeah um and then i just ask them all kinds of questions so i have um i usually create a list of questions that i can go through with the client to make sure that i um have everything i need to to speak for them essentially when i'm writing any kind of copy for them that's awesome that's fantastic and i'm sure along the way um you've had you know, um, an opportunity to have mentors. How have mentors impacted your life? Yeah, mentors are so important. And with FIT, like, we are constantly trying to connect people who have been in the industry for a long time with people who are just starting out or even just starting a new type of project. I've been very lucky to have had some fantastic mentors throughout my life, from teachers to bosses and, and colleagues. Um, they have, they've all taught me something different. Some of them are more um, inspiring. Others have offered that sort of tough love when I needed it. Yes. But, you know, altogether they've given me the confidence to do what I do. Yeah. And it's so key to find that kind of mentorship. Yeah. Uh, and it's ongoing. So, yeah. you know, the, the, my colleagues and um, the people who manage me and support me at work are huge um, mentors as well. Well, that's absolutely awesome. I know that, you know, there's a lot of talk around, you know, having mentors of all different ages, of all different industries and backgrounds, because then it helps us to see things differently and to innovate. What do you think of that idea? Yeah, totally. Um, I think if you're just only looking for a mentorship in one area, you're sort of missing out on a lot a lot of different points of view that could really help you. And we're, um, you know, it's such a buzzword to say, you know, diversity right now, but that's sort of where everything's headed, right? Yes. We're, we're realizing the potential of that. So it, it carries over to who mentors you as well. You want a diverse, uh, a, you want diversity in your mentorship opportunities. Absolutely. Too. Whether it's male, female, a variety of industries um yeah yeah and and like the the um age groups as you mentioned or like how long they've been in the industry there's all kinds of different things to look at so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i must say i i've had a lot of virtual mentors i've listened to a lot of podcasts read a lot of books 
um, peer-to-peer mentorship. Um, I really tap into that, um, you know, with some of my high school peers. And um, I've had other mentors, industry mentors along the way as well that has really helped to expand my mind. And um, so definitely a a very valuable, um, you know, thing to have, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of technology, you're a content marketing manager. How do you incorporate technology in your work and in your life? Yeah, Um, this whole situation we're dealing with right now has really put a pin on that. but, but, I mean, I'll put it this way. When the Internet goes down, I go out and find Wi-Fi somewhere because everything I do requires a solid Internet connection. And as a content manager, my work lives on social media and WordPress. So it, it's, all, it's all connected to that Internet connection. So that is, that is one way. But also I need to track the success of my work. So to do that, I use a lot of apps and tools Mm -hmm. Um, and I often work remotely even before we were sort of all forced to um, because of this crisis um, I had a lot of remote work days and remote meetings with partners and collaborators who are all over the world so I also depend on those communication tools like Skype, WebEx, Zoom, GoToMeeting, Slack, you name it. Yes, yes. So Slack is a project management tool, GoToMeeting, Meeting, WebEx, and Skype, those are all video conferencing tools? Yeah, exactly. And then I could name all kinds of different apps and tools that we use, um, that I use to um, track analytics of my different projects and and things like that, too. What are some examples? Just a couple of examples. BuzzSumo is one that, that you can use to track, like, who's coming to your site, what are some of your com- competition doing in that space, mm-hmm. what are the trends, um, uh, and SCM Rush is another really great tool for tracking your analytics. Um, there's all kinds of different ones. That's awesome. Those are two big ones that I use a lot. All right. That's cool. So in thinking about your career journey, because you've, you've given us a little bit of insight into it, can you remember a pivotal moment when you've had an epic fail and how you overcome this? Oh, yeah. Of course, there's been, an, there's been epic fails along the way. Um, I once thought I'd landed my dream job only to find out it wasn't a good fit and and that, that was heartbreaking, but I've also, uh, you know, I've been brought into projects that weren't set up for success, and despite all of our best efforts, crashed and burned, but the key to overcoming them is really, you got to take that time to grieve and feel mm-hmm. all the, the feelings that come with a major letdown, but yeah. then eventually you sort of brush yourself off and take stock of what your, your strengths are. Um, and take on new projects, move on to bigger and better things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the toughest part for me with a, with an epic fail is always the, the hit to your my confidence. Yes. So it's really about remembering the skills that I have to offer and um and learning from it. It's such a, a cliche, but you've got if you can learn from your your epic fails, then you can sort of reframe it to being something that you can use as a stepping stone rather than a, a pitfall. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always feel like for failures, you know, the quicker you get up and go and get into a new project, a new activity, whether that it's something extracurricular that gets you to change your physiology, the way your the whole energy in your body moves. At least for me, that has helped in in terms of taking on a new a new sport. Um, when when I've encountered epic failures, or just starting completely new projects that have nothing to do with what I what I was previously involved in, and that yeah. helped a lot to just m- keep moving forward and never looking back. Right. Definitely, and also like when you're feeling that moment of you know heartbreak over something going wrong and that hits your confidence you know more and more people are speaking out about their epic fails and how they've been able to overcome it but you know also living in that moment of uh well this really sucks and I feel terrible so if you really are you know in that those first few moments where you really are feeling it Mm -hmm. it can also help to look for that because everybody has their own epic fails Yes. Um, and you can feel very much alone in, in that, like, oh, mm-hmm. everybody else is doing well and I screwed this up or this didn't work out for me. So I, I would also encourage people to look for those other, you know, commiserate a little bit. Absolutely. <laughs> look, for, look for those other points of view to help yourself move on. Yeah. Get a bit of inspiration. That really helped me. Yeah, I agree. We all have those failures. Um, you know, we, we see folks chugging along and doing fantastic, but we have no idea how they get to the point of that fantastic error, right? Because there's always a hurdle, always a challenge. Um, that's life, and we encounter it on a daily basis. And um, some are bigger challenges than others, um, whether that's a huge epic fail. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we know it with time we move on right yeah one of the best analogies that i've heard about on this is it's when you look at people who are successful you're really looking at an iceberg so all you can see is what's above the water you Mm -hmm. know that success Mm -hmm. but if you if you consider the iceberg as a whole so much of it is underwater All, all of that the struggle and hardship you don't see that yes yeah. You just see the, the positives when somebody's riding the high and doing well. So it's good to keep that in mind, too. Absolutely. I, I love that. Thank you for that analogy. It's, it's great. I can't take credit for it. I saw it on the on the social media somewhere. But, I yeah, I, I sort of go back to that in my head. We all see everybody's success stories, and we don't see a lot of the, the struggles that go into them. Absolutely. So what advice would you have for, you know, young women pursuing a career in um, marketing international trade? Yeah, there's lots to talk about. Um, One big thing is definitely, especially in international trade, to get a well-rounded education. So um, for what we do at FIT, the FIT skills program that we offer um, was designed to cover all aspects of international trade transactions for a reason. It, it, so that when you're completing it, it, when you're completing a transaction, you have a complete understanding of how everything works together, and that's so important. So education also includes what you learn from others too. So 
<laughs> I always encourage people to go to as many industry events as you can to make connections. So it's that networking component. Right now, that's obviously tough to do in person, but any way you can do it virtually, I definitely encourage people to do. And then that mentorship thing that we were talking about, look for those mentorship opportunities um, and get that experience wherever you can. Um, so many successful people that I talked to started off in low-level positions. You know, we all started somewhere. Yes. Um, but then they quickly worked themselves up into management roles. So connect with those people, learn from them. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the first thing I really would say. Um, and then the second thing is no matter whether you're in marketing or international trade, know how to market yourself. Mm-hmm. That was really tough for me early on in my career. I had a, a really tough time in interviews um, early on because I wasn't marketing myself well enough. I didn't have that confidence. Yeah. So so really know what your unique selling proposition is mm-hmm. and do your research for every role and highlight how you can get results. Um, and sometimes you really do need to, you know, fake it till you make it yeah. in those job interviews. Mm-hmm. And it comes with it comes with practice, right? You may bomb uh, one or two interviews, but as you go, you learn, you take notes, you get feedback from the interviewers, and you you continue to read and research. and And by the time you know one gets to the fifth interview, it gets better and and smooth. You know, some people are lucky yeah. enough to get a job on their first interview. Others, you know, you require at least ten to thirty interviews before landing that that first opportunity or a second opportunity, right? Exactly. And, you know, like I said earlier, when I graduated, there it, it was very competitive and tough for new grads mm-hmm. to get a job in marketing um, here in Ottawa. And and so I definitely did have to do some interviews. And I, could, I put so much pressure on myself because I was like, well, this is my one shot. This is my one chance. Um, but... That is so counterproductive because then I was so nervous yes. and I probably wasn't expressing myself that well. So um, I think it all ties into together to one thing that helped me the most get my career started was to network. That's how I started getting these little freelance projects, which gave me confidence, gave me experience, and it just builds on top of that. I, I absolutely agree. A, a lot of the work that I've done, um, that that I've gotten as well, is through networking, being involved in a lot of community projects and activities, for sure. So as yeah, a, yeah. you wanted um, to add then, to that? Well, I was just gonna say if you want to get into like digital content marketing more specifically, yes. Um, you know, content marketing itself is more about telling stories and building relationships. So it's all about providing the real value to your audience rather than pushing out a marketing message. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I always I always look for, you know, what problem are we solving, who are we solving it for, and how are we solving it for them. And then people that are in that digital content marketing space should also be mindful of the fact that their personal online presence Mm-hmm. Um, is is a huge selling point for them as well. So recruiters are definitely going to look at that in the digital marketing space. So make sure you're following your own best practices on social media. 
do you have a blog? Like, where where are you um, online? Google yourself. Um, and your your online presence should definitely speak to your skills as a content marketer. All right. I'm going to Google myself after this episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, right now we're living in COVID times, you know, this epidemic or pandemic that has landed upon us there. And um, it's day 10 since, you know, I've been working from home. And a lot of questions um, that has come up is, you know, should we market as small businesses, you know, should we market ourselves during this time and how much selling should be done? What is your opinion yeah. on that? Because it's such a delicate time, you know? It really is. It's, it's a challenge that I think we're all dealing with. Um, everybody who is, you know, hustling to promote a business, everyone who's working in the marketing sphere is really putting a lot of thought and attention into this because there's, there's always the dual challenge of, um, I want to, I, you know, I need to keep my business afloat, so I need to promote myself, make sure um, revenue is coming in that way, but also I need to be a good neighbor, I need to, I don't want to look like I'm taking advantage of anyone or, you know, focusing on the wrong priorities because we're all, you know, prioritizing our health and safety, making sure that we're all um, doing what we can to keep everyone safe. Yes. So there's always the challenge of how do I position my business but not seem like I'm um, not helping, like I'm uh, prioritizing my profits over everyone's well-being. So yeah, it's a, it's a tight rope to walk. Mm-hmm. It And again, comes back to really, really knowing um, who is your audience, what do they need right now, mm-hmm. and where is your position in that? How can you step in and provide them something that they need that's mm-hmm. of value to them mm-hmm. while they're dealing with everything else? And then really focus on really focus on that messaging, like here's what we're doing and why you should care right now. Wow. I love how you put that so succinctly and you know, the, the visuals that came to my, comes to my mind, you know, like the food industry right now that's an area like the restaurants have laid off people, but, you know, the other manufacturing industries like, you know, the bakeries and, and, and such would require people with skill sets to work in there. Um, in the health sector as well, you know, there's a, there's a need to produce new products um, as a result of, of the shortage of medical supplies. So there's opportunities there. On the services side of things, with with a lot of services closing, whether it's, you know, um, uh, what are some of the things, you know, hair saloons, uh, dental places, um, anything where you have contact with others, you know, massage therapists, homeopaths, naturopaths, um, you know, you got to really think about, as you said, what value can I provide now um, while I'm waiting for this pandemic to be over? So whether it be offering some sort of virtual um, initiative for your clients to maintain that clientele, to keep them warm, you may not be able to offer the service that you normally would in person, but what sort of added value one can provide, right? 
Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Added value, it's tricky. You know, there's always opportunities out there when you look hard enough. There's some industries that this is, is so difficult for them because, you know, they really do depend on that face-to-face, mm-hmm. in-person type of transactions. But maybe there's, chan- you know, maybe it's a chance to connect with your people in a different way. Like, I think the biggest thing is, to, um, if you can, if your business is shut down right now, um, but if you, you can find a way to still engage with your audience, still be in their mind somehow, um, still provide them some kind of value, and again, not be opportunistic. It's tricky because nobody really wants to hear certain messages right now from different businesses. But if there is something that you can put out there to give people a laugh, in an appropriate way or to, you know, give them some information, um, provide them something for later. Yeah. And also show them that you care about them, you know, ask yeah. how are you doing? How's your family doing, you know, during this COVID crisis, you know, what can I do to help you? Um, maybe at this time you become the helper as a, as a, as a business in terms of helping that person with it, with their family, um, with a family challenge, I mean, not getting too personal, but who knows, there's, there's some type of community that you can build to provide that support. A lot of people are suffering from, you know, anxiety and stress because of uncertainty. Not a lot of people know how a built to deal with uncertain times, right? So yeah. providing that emotional support could be one way to connect as we said, providing some entertainment as well could be another way to connect, right? Because we all you do know, things away from work, right? It's true. I'm seeing so much creativity come out actually right now yes. from, from businesses and different individuals. Like, um, you know, people are offering live streaming um, for different services that normally you'd be there in person for. Um all kinds of cool things, even like distilleries and breweries are um, switching their production over to um, produce um, antiseptic and hand sanitizers. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. making hand sanitizers. So, you know, filling a need there based on what they, they have available to them. So things like that are really cool to see. And as I said, you know, it can be really challenging. Some businesses just aren't set up to pivot that quickly in that mm-hmm. way. But mm-hmm. it's tough times. But if you can find a way to stay connected to your audience in a meaningful way, that will make all the difference, I think. Absolutely. And also, it's another way to brush off, you know, um, some of the, the marketing plans that are out there, the export plans that are out there, and really um, give it a second look to look at, okay, what sort of risk can I mitigate during this crisis? So what sort of things that are in my control and that are out of my control and what can I do now, right? To prepare for whether it be six months from now when things subside. It's a really great time to touch base with your your stakeholders as well. So depending on what your business is, like, um, it's a great time to touch base with your vendors or your suppliers or um, your partners mm-hmm. and just see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you can do 
collaboratively to sort of weather the storm? Mm-hmm. Is there any new ways you can support them? But just checking in, I think, makes a big difference to those relationships too. I agree. Collaboration will definitely get us through this for sure. So what is your superpower, Pamela? <laughs> what a great question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd love to say it was something really cool. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like, invisibility (laughs) even juggling I but my my skill set is a little bit more um practical to what I do I would say it's really finding Mm. the most interesting valuable aspects any story and sort of repackage something you know I said one of my projects was um I've done a lot of like corporate reports yes things like that so where my superpower (laughs) if you want to call it that comes in is to sort of take a rambling autobiography and make it into a more concise, readable, sort of attention-grabbing piece of content. That is fantastic. You know, that is a great skill set to have because not everybody can, you know, really take take a huge document and chunk it down into something that's palatable for everyone, right? Yeah, and it's something that carries carries through all different types of content even if you're only writing like one line um a headline somewhere on your your website let's say mm-hmm. w- you know it, even if it's just one sentence there's always ways to improve it to get to the heart of what you really want to say so um and that and that come that didn't come to me automatically I didn't come out of you know I didn't come out of aver- the advertising program automatically knowing how to do that it's been something that I've worked on and worked on over the years mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. something that I hope I'll, I'll continue to get better at too. Of course, of course. How do you see your work impacting the next generation and also the community within which you leave? Well, um, I'm really fortunate to work for FIT. Um, who has been making a huge impact in the global trade community for almost 30 years now. So I'm sort of picking up that torch. And um, I love that through what I do with content, I'm connecting people to the international business resources at FIT, which is, you know, so crucial right now with what we're going through. Um, The FIT skills training that that I mentioned um, that we offer, you know, both online, so you can access it now, and in class. Um, it prepares people to be successful in all aspects of international trade. So, um, and you can get training in so many places now, online and, you know, in class once everything's back to normal. Yeah. But when FIT created its uh, trade curriculum and created the Certified International Trade Professional designation, it was really the first to do so based on extensive industry consultation as part of a project with the Canadian government um, and really mapping out all the skills and competencies needed to be successful in international business. Mm-hmm. So wow. it's, it's, the, it's the real deal, and it, <laughs> it makes a big difference to the individuals and organizations who have these skills and competencies. Mm-hmm. You know, as mm-hmm. you know, Irene, you're a CICP, and, uh, and you've been through the training. Um, so the real legacy there that I am so proud to be a part of is that their success, those international business, uh, business, pra- international business practitioners, 
their success helps economies grow too. It, it helps lift people out of poverty. Um, and the impacts of international business done right are huge. I absolutely agree. And by the way, I'm still a CITP in in progress. Um, <laughs> haven't quite finished it, but I, this is an opportunity for me to brush up my skills and continue my courses for sure. There you go. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, I absolutely agree in, in terms of having that trade certification because it, it just gives you a wider network as well because the organization offers so much, right? Not only the certification, but access to, to becoming a, a member and having a vast network that one can tap into for all over the world, right? For collaboration purposes as well. Um, yeah, so, so that's absolutely. really cool. Yeah, the, the CITP designation really does connect you to that network of um, experts out there who really know, they're really living the international trade, um, they're living in the international trade world, you know, you have a lot in common with them, and it, it automatically signals to everyone out there that you have that level of expertise, that, yes. and, you know, have, you know about all the different aspects of international trade transactions mm -hmm. um, but even just taking the, the training like you can just take a workshop if you have um, mm -hmm. one pro specific problem in international trade that you need to solve mm -hmm. one you know maybe you need to know more about e-commerce yeah. which is so um, <laughs> relevant right now right maybe you're a brick and mortar store and you need to get people to be able to purchase your product online so we do have a workshop for that so there there is more specific training too that you can do um but like i said the thing that i think is so cool about it all is that it's not just like we had a committee that that decided this was what you should know it was based on um extensive consultations with industry people people mm -hmm. that are working mm -hmm. in the industry right now um mm -hmm. to know what is really happening out there and what's really important. And then all the training was based on that. So yeah. I think that's really cool and unique to what FIT offers. Absolutely. I agree to, you know, hearing what the industry needs and developing something that's specific for them. Um, it, it's just, um, you know, a sweet cake with some icing on it. Right. Mm hmm. Moving into rapid fire questions, um, Ooh, just a segue out of this, you know, um, what are some of your morning rituals? And I know that has changed since the last time we spoke in terms of prepping for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my morning ritual is definitely different. I, I, you know, I honestly don't even really have a morning ritual right now. It's roll out of bed, be a mom. <laughs> when yeah. my partner's done... Uh, his workday, I start mine and switch gears. Mm -hmm. um, you know, before I was a mom, in normal times, I used to love to just wake up and leisurely check in on all the social channels and get up to speed on the news so that I, I was ready to go as soon as I got to work. Um, but to now with a toddler running around to wrangle and, and get ready for daycare most days, uh, I do my check-in once I get to the office, but I always start my day, um, my work day anyway, with that check-in to see what's going on on social media, what's going on in the news as it pertains to international business and my community, 
and I kind of start there. That's awesome. I'm glad that you do that. That's really cool. Yeah, for me right now, it's um, similar to yours, getting breakfast ready, um, getting the kids um, on their iPads. (laughs) And then probably around 10 a.m., we take a break and uh, do some uh, online dancing. So today we did some (laughs) hip-hop and Zumba, and that was fun. And then at... um, Noon, we took them out in the backyard to go on the swing, even if there's snow out there. But we did that just so that they can get some fresh air in the backyard. Um, So anyway, it's definitely different um, during these COVID times for sure. What's a favorite book of yours? It's really hard for me to pick one, Irenia, because I am a big, big bookworm. Is that so? Uh, (laughs) My favorite authors are... John Irving, Hilary Mantel, and Margaret Atwood. Uh-huh. So I've yeah. got sort of, I would put all of them at the top of my list, their whole catalog. Yes. Um, and then, you know, sort of if, if you want to look more at like industry books, like marketing books, yes. I really like On Marketing by Scott Stratton. Um, and right now I'm, I'm reading something else totally different. I'm reading Sapiens by Yuval Noah. Oh, I'm going to butcher the name. Yuval Noah Harari, and I don't know if you're familiar with that book, but it's it's pretty cool and also kind of relevant to what we're going through right now in that it sort of tracks the history of and survival and everything that goes with it of human beings from, you know, our, our very start on this planet to yeah. where we're at now. Well, I must say you got to listen to the episode with Sush because her favorite book is Sapiens. And as a result of reading that book, she is vegetarian or vegan. <laughs> yeah, it definitely talks. Uh, I can see why. Um, I've had similar thoughts, so I will definitely check out that episode. But yeah, I can definitely see why. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is that is awesome. So I'm going to have to pick up that book because I did tell her that I was going to look into it. Um, what is your favorite song that's on replay right now? Well, like you, we're having a lot of dance parties over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so a lot of Baby Shark and things like that are going <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the speakers right now. One that I love is Higher Love by Whitney Houston and Kygo. That one has been on replay for quite a while now. I love that song too. That's awesome. That's great. And um, of course, as a woman, and I change my hair a lot, it would be remiss of me not to ask you, what's your favorite hairstyle? (laughs) I love this question too. Um, Because I've definitely gone through a lot of different hairstyles over the years um and I love all different types of hair and it's such a cool vehicle for creative expression Mm -hmm. um right now my hair is quite short it's about 10 lengths um because life is busy and it's easier um my favorite hairstyle right now is the one that my daughter is rocking which is a pretty sweet um pair of pigtails (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that's great oh my goodness I'm really enjoying our interview Pamela this is, this is so cool me yeah. too you have the best questions <laughs> oh and one more your favorite car 
I have been dreaming about getting a Tesla <laughs> ever since I first heard of them. And actually, I can't take full credit because it's my partner who is the, the big, big Tesla fan. Yes. Um, but, I mean, a high-performance electric car, so something that goes so fast mm-hmm. and also is great on, for the environment. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take one, please. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> Love it. And this comes to the end of our episode. And um, I I mean, you shared so much with us, right? From, you know, your, your days um, when you first started off in your career to your side hustle, um, talking about the importance of, you know, branding and having a very unique selling proposition when one is looking for work and also um, some of the work that um, you're doing with the Forum for International Trade Training and the, the importance of, you know, getting training in that arena to, to help others, to help the economy, to help businesses, to help families. Um, I, I really enjoyed our, our discussion. Thank you so much. The pleasure is all mine, Irenia. I'm, again, honored that you invited me to be part of it, and I had a ton of fun answering your questions and chatting with you. And I think that this is a great idea for a podcast. Thank and you. Thank keep you. Keep doing what you're doing. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And to you, my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Write us a review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, I hope you find your vibes. I'm your host, Irina Roussel. <laughs>